Hey guys, I'm Jaden and I'm a mum, a business owner, and now a podcast host. It's tricky juggling it all, but as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child, so I'm bringing in my mum friends to co-host alongside me throughout the series. Each week, we try and entertain and support mums who are going through the shitty hard times to hopefully make you laugh and support you in your journey with motherhood. On the podcast, we talk to lots of experts to do a deep dive into the issues that affect us as mums and hope by sharing this alongside our own stories, we can help mums feel like they are validated and appreciated. Join us for a whirlwind of an episode this week on Mummy Village. Our guest this week has an incredible story and I'm so excited for her to share it with us today. She's a mum who not only has had a challenging fertility journey, she's also a breast cancer survivor. Anne-Louise, welcome to Mummy Village. So just to get started, tell us a bit about yourself and your fertility journey prior to your cancer diagnosis. Yeah, so so my husband, Mark, and I, we, we had Zach when I was 32. Um, there was no real issues actually conceiving him. I think time was on our side and, and we weren't in any rush. So it was it was a case of, you know, when, when I did find out I was pregnant, we were, we were delighted. You know, he arrived, he was a very easy child. So really, there was no issues at that point. And it was only when we went to have our second where things just didn't work out. And, you know, I'm I'm a pretty relaxed kind of a person, but it was after about a year or year or two. And I just said, oh, you know, we, we need to look into this. This is, it's not working. Um, you know, I think we just need a little bit of help. And, you know, I had a few friends who'd undergone IVF and for them, they just describe it as, a little bit of science and you'll get what you want and you know maybe the eternal mm-hmm. optimist just assumed that was the case so we did go down the IVF journey and we had a great a great doctor over at Jenea um, and again I, I went into that fully expecting you know a couple of needles a bit of a poke and a prod and we'd have a baby and it wasn't the case mm-hmm. and it was the IVF journey itself was okay but the results were were, were just awful it was actually the oh, failure gosh. which which hurt the most. It wasn't it wasn't the poking, it wasn't the prodding, it wasn't the weight gain or anything. It was honestly there was never a live baby for us, and it got to the point where I just I couldn't I couldn't go through with it again. And and Mark, my husband, said to me, he said, "Look, you know we've got the perfect son. I am really happy if if you know if our plan is just one child, it's one child. But I don't you know I don't want to see you go through that." If you want to go through with it, I will support you. But oh, it's you know it, it it really is your decision if you want to take it forward. And I just couldn't do it because you know it was you know I was by this time I was I was in my mid thirties. You know everyone was having their first child, their second child, and sometimes their third child. And you know every single yeah. pregnancy notification, you know there was there was a pang. Um, you know, I had some a, added pressure. <laughs> it was hell. <laughs> Just from social media. Oh, it was yeah. it was social media, but it was hell. just I still put on my shiny exterior and I you know, and I was happy, but you know, it was it was hard. It was it was really hard. Mm. And you know, I had very close friends who were having babies and you know, then they felt a guilt telling me, you know, they had to take me aside to tell me they were pregnant. I'm like, Oh my god, what has my life become? You know, everyone's yeah. terrified of, of saying <laughs> saying this to me. So 
you know, for, for yeah. us, then we, we just parked it and we went, we'll leave it in the lap of the gods. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So for us, we never shut the shop up. But the intention mm-hmm. was, I didn't want to fall pregnant in my 40s. I was always worried, you know, that was that was just a high risk situation for us. Um, and so once I turned 40, my husband was going to have a vasectomy. And that's round two of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For another day. <laughs> and let me ask, how how did you first get a sense that there might be an abnormality in your breast? Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, so the second half of the story is, I suppose it's this is the interesting piece. I fell pregnant three weeks before I turned 40. I just changed yes. jobs. I made some life yeah, decisions. Yeah, explain that to us. Yeah, so when I... As I was approaching 40, I was, I was headhunted for a role. Uh, it, was a, it was a bigger role. It was, you know, there was, there was a bunch of really positive things about it. And I think, though, for me, my son was very settled into, he was in, his, he was in year one. Um, you know, I felt we had some, you know, good things going on in his life. He was very settled and grounded. And I thought, well, if there's no second child, I should do something for myself. So I yeah, totally. accepted this role just as I was turning 40. Um, I had eight weeks gardening leave and lo and behold, I was pregnant by the seventh week. So Wow, um, wow that is exciting. Yeah, so there was no 40th as I was secretly pregnant. I walked into a new role, pregnant and not telling anyone. And the entire yeah. pregnancy, I, I'll be honest, I never really attached myself to the pregnancy. It was a very clinical totally. nine months I was carrying and yeah. I, I still remember driving to the hospital and, and her name's Evie and we were driving along Parramatta Road and I said to Mark, Mark said to me, he goes, oh, how, how do you feel? And I said, oh, there'll be a live baby here in three hours. And that no, was yeah. <laughs> how clinical it was. And as I say that I sound yeah. more blooded, but I, I couldn't, You're not uh, you know, I, I, I didn't ever want to care too much in case I never got it. Totally. After what you went through, it's hard to think otherwise. Yeah, and that's that's my totally. coping mechanism connect. as well. So yeah, once she arrived, it was that all fantastic. But yeah, it was it was a very clinical pregnancy and and a very easy pregnancy. You know, for 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 being forty, there was there was no dramas. You know, despite being geriatric, um, both my both my pregnancies were were yeah very straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, very fortunate. So at what point did you sense there might be an abnormality in your breast? Yeah, so the little lady arrived at the end of January. Uh, it was, I, I remember the date, it was the 1st of December. I rolled over in the middle of the night and I I must have just gone like that somehow. I'm, I'm not quite sure. And I just felt this lump and I thought, oh, that's that's odd. And then I, you know, rechecked and went, oh yeah, no, that's definitely a lump. And for anyone who knows me, um, I'm definitely not known for the size of my boobs. So the fact that there was a lump, <laughs> I was like, that even get there. Um, wow. Jaden's laughing. She's seen them. There's nothing. <laughs> She's seen them. She knows. <laughs> there is some there. Like come on I went to this. I'm an oversharer when I want to be, and I was at a. We love birthday it. party the, the next day and I'm like so I found a lump in my breast overnight and you know like you know it can't be anything I don't even have any boobs and so we yeah. you know a couple of mums like yeah yeah it'll just be something post-pregnancy and again for me it was you know just oh I'll go to the doctor find out what it is mm. you know my, my GP 
looked and said, look, it's probably just post-pregnancy, but, you know, you're, you're 41. Oh, totally. You should check yeah. it out. And so I went and had a, a mammogram, um, Breast Cream Australia, fantastic. Again, mm. I knew that there was a lump, but I, I, I wasn't that concerned and I don't know, I, I don't know if I should have been, but um, it was only when the hospital called me back, so, so RPA, Wanted to cut, wanted to see me because there was something in the lump that they didn't, you know, they didn't like the look of. And again, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I, I thought, oh, that's fine. So, you know, I, I, I went yeah. along to the appointment. It was approaching Christmas. So I was going out to a Christmas event. So, you know, very typical me. I rocked up to the hospital, you know, ready to go out for a long lunch afterwards. <laughs> All dolled <laughs> up. Of course. <laughs> typical Anne Louise style. Yeah. Yeah, you're like I need to be uh, in here and out of here. I got I got places to yeah, go. That was yeah, essentially it. Totally. Um, and <laughs> after they took another mammogram, more in depth one, they they said, "Oh, is your husband around?" And I said, "Oh, well, he's at home with, with the baby." Mm-hmm. They said, "Oh, you know, mm-hmm. there's something that there's something that we don't like the look of. You know, we want to do a biopsy." And it was only then that I started to really, really freak out. And I thought, "What? What do you mean? Isn't it just a, a post-pregnancy lump that everyone?" says it was and they call Mark and obviously by that time I was you know quite hysterical and you know very emotional and so he he dropped Evie off at a friend's house and and raced over and I suppose the rest of that afternoon was pretty much a blur it was a was a Friday afternoon and they did a biopsy and and they said look this is 95 percent plus breast cancer you know, we, we need to we need to go down the you know the next route. We need to test it. Um, you know, so they took the samples, and we had to wait four days for the results. But pretty much, I we went home on that Friday afternoon, fairly certain that I had breast cancer. And I had to wait four days, including a weekend, for the results, which was oh my probably gosh. the worst oh, four yes. days of my life. Uh, absolutely you know, and so without even knowing how aggressive it could have been you just need to wait I had no idea I walked oh, into I, I remember looking at, at Zach and he was what was he eight and a half and I, I thought at least he knew me and this is, it sounds terrible but I thought at least he knew me you know he had a load of time you oh, know, he'll remember his mum and then I looked at Evie and I would burst into tears every time I saw her because she you know her, her mum could die and she wouldn't know her and it was it was terrible mark was like how do you want to approach the weekend you know do you want to bunker down do you want to keep yourself busy you tell me and and we'll sort it out and i said i need to be kept busy i cannot be left alone with my thoughts yeah totally um and he put in a rule that day which was i wasn't allowed to look at social media about breast cancer yeah. um i wasn't allowed to google um, if i had a question mm-hmm. i had to ask him and he would take it away but he said you are not going down any rabbit holes with this and, oh how good is that He's and so that was Very it supportive. so i was diagnosed on the final day of zach being in year two wow and oh i can't imagine that and i pray to god we don't have to go through that Mm. again nor for you for any of us and like you know you touched a bit on the diagnosis but can you tell us about the diagnosis and the impact that had for you and your family at the time like when you got the news that yes this is breast cancer this is really happening Um, so there was the funny side so the funny side was I'd I'd tell people and and 
uh, I've known a few of my friends have known me for a long time and and one of them said she goes I shouldn't say this but she said how do you get breast cancer with boobs your size (laughs) 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 this is the question I've got myself (laughs) I still have breasts there and, and, and interestingly, <laughs> that's, that's actually cool. one of the reasons why I had to have a mastectomy is because I'm actually so small, the size of the lump versus yeah. the size of the breast meant that they, they couldn't mm. save it. With with normal sized yeah. people, it could have been a lumpectomy, but we had to do the full mastectomy. Um, mm. Which was the question again? How did I deal with it? How, the impact yeah, on the, your family um, when you yeah. found out the news? So. So actually, so we, we didn't tell Zach until I was until we knew all the facts. We we made a decision he didn't yeah. need to know. Okay. My sister came up from Melbourne with her family, so she was a really good distraction for about two weeks. Whilst we went around assessing surgeon, um, you know, trying to get an idea of Amazing. exactly, the, I suppose, the, the gravity of the situation and 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 how mm. you know how far you had it spread or anything. So we did all of that. The surgeon that I elected to go with is a very thorough and, and caring person and, and his approach was we will check everything about you so that when we go into surgery, we know that we're just dealing with breast cancer. So some other some Beautiful. other approaches are you deal with the breast cancer and then, you know, you do the scans, et cetera, afterwards. We, we went into yeah. surgery knowing I had breast cancer. We thought and it was isolated. We know that after the surgery, but we, we felt pretty confident going into it. And, you know, my, my surgeon, I mean, God love him, even, even as he was wheeling me in, he spoke to me, he goes, now remember, you can, you can always have a reconstruction. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yep, yep, all over that. Thanks. Um, and then he goes, but the other thing is we don't reconstruct A's. And I was <laughs> <and I was laughs> like, cheers. <laughs> I said, so he said, you'd be going up if you want to do it. He said, it's your decision, but just letting you know. And I'm like, oh, God, only you would make enough. me laugh as I'm being wheeled in to be, you know, knocked out. Um, yeah. So he was, he was absolutely amazing as well. So, um, yeah. We told Zach, we told Zach, you know, I think it was the Sunday before I was going into surgery. So we, we actually left it till the absolute last minute. And yeah. Mark and I prepped all these questions because we thought children, we need to be ready for everything. Totally. Yeah, I was going to ask, did he even comprehend what you were saying when you were telling him? Did he, he did. know what you were talking about? Yeah. We didn't. We didn't plan for the one question that we got though, which was he just he turned to Mark and he said, "So, if Mum's got cancer, how do I know you don't have cancer?" Oh wow! Okay. And again, you know the the reality is is that you know superficially, I'm not a big body person. Um, I don't look unhealthy. People know that I do exercise. You know, so I I ticked Mm. all those boxes of of appearing like a reasonably healthy normal 41 year old person um you know my husband you know different physique you know a little bit bigger than me you know so if you're going to if you're going to just look at us you'd probably go mark ahead of Anne Louise not not the other way around so yeah yeah, that that one struck mark for six and so mark mark turned to me he said well actually I I can't tell you to have cancer he said all I can tell you is that if you think something's not right or you feel a little bit different, you know, you, you need to speak to mum and I. 
you know, mum and I look after ourselves, you know, we're very, you know, we're we're reasonably health conscious, but we just go and check it out. You know, but he said, I I can't guarantee I don't have it because he said, I don't know. He said, mum didn't know either. Yeah, totally. And that's, how do you answer that, you know? Like, I couldn't. I think I was I was bawling these... by that point. So it was, it was over yeah. to the person in charge. And that's – so how did how did your treatment start and what was that journey like for you? Uh, yeah, so so my, my surgeon, he was, he was absolutely amazing. So we did the mastectomy and I think it was four or six later – four or six weeks later I, I started chemotherapy. So – um, for me, I did try and avoid chemo. So there was quite a lot of testing that I undertook to see if the benefits mm. would actually be there, um, you know, and also weighed it in with the type of cancer that I had and, and a bunch of other factors. And, and unfortunately, it, it came back. The numbers were just, and I say the numbers because there's nothing scientific about my brain, the numbers indicated yeah. <laughs> that I, I, I needed to do it. Okay, and one yeah. of the so you knew chemo was happening. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping it'd yeah. just be radiotherapy, but it, it was chemo. Yeah. And part of it for me as well was someone said to me, "You can always have a rogue cell, so you can think yeah. that it hasn't spread, yeah. but it just takes one one rogue cell to totally get out." Wow. And you know, again, I was prepared to do anything that I needed to to be around for the kids. So, you know, if that meant four rounds of chemo, um, losing my hair, then, you know, as, as shit as that conundrum was, I was, I was going to do it. I didn't care. Was, was that hard for Zach to see you lose your hair and go through chemo? So the good did thing he, is I didn't lose my hair. Um, oh, okay, awesome. Perfect. Yeah, so there's a wonderful thing called the ice cap and it was probably, it was the saviour in that it saved my hair, but... It was it's okay, literally nice. like having a frozen uh, a, a frozen headache that is just absolutely wow. all encompassing and you can't you can barely breathe. Oh god. So it, it freezes your scalp so that the chemo can't actually okay. get in. And how often would you have to I'd put that on when I had chemo. Do that. So I had four rounds of chemo three weeks apart. Okay. So you would go to the hospital, you'd have a load of blood tests. Um, I'm, I can't stand blood tests either. My veins are tiny, mm. they're beneath the surface. So that was awful. So you'd have to have the blood tests, check where your levels were. You'd then need to have the catheter for the chemo, which was hell as well. And mm. then they'd put the ice cap on. And so I would also have to have really strong drugs to get the ice cap on because my my head couldn't handle it. I could barely speak when it was on for the first 10, 15 minutes until it was, and until I'd gotten used to it and then, and the painkillers were equally kicking in, I would just sit there and, and Mark would just sit there and hold my hand because there was nothing else he could do. And I'd be in like, you know, ski jacket and <laughs> things like that. Oh, The only bit uh, of hair that I, I just, actually lost yeah. was, so Zach bought home knits once in his life. And he bought it home after, was it after my first round? After my first round of chemo, he bought home knits. And me being, you know, just whipping straight into mum mode, I went, oh, my God, yeah. we've got to get rid of it. Um, you, know, yeah. you know, so frantically getting rid of this knit treatment on him, thinking I don't want to get it either because I'm, you know, 
I've got low immunity. And then I did the same treatment on myself, which in hindsight was one of the most stupid things that I've done. I lost a massive (gasps) clump of my hair up there because (gasps) all all, all the hair cuticles were really weak. Weak, So I call Mark in tears going, oh, my God, my hair's fallen out. He's like, why didn't you call me? Why did you do that to yourself? I'm like, yes, Mark. I love I Mark. He always has good advice. Like, you know. I love Mark. So it's actually, you don't notice it now, but when it grew back, it actually grew back like my hair was permed. So I called it the part of my hair with a different oh postcode because literally you'd have this normal hair oh, that's and then you'd have like this frizz bob up here. I love oh, it. it. But yeah. I just want to quickly ask, you know, you're talking here about your cancer and, you know, Zach's seven years old, he's at the end of year two, but then you've got little Evie who's just been born. Mm-hmm. Where does she fit in all of this? How do you have Mark by your side supporting you every step of the way, a seven-year-old who's your angel child and this little new little, you know, miracle has just entered your world so unexpected. So not only have you just had that, you know, Evie come and bless you guys, but then you've also had the cancer come and just turn your world, turn it upside down. Like how does she Mm. fit in? Like where is she when you're doing the treatments? What's happening with her? How are you navigating that? So we had a really good support network. Um, so we don't have any. You had a village. We, don't, we have a we have a village, and I don't always tap into my village, but I really yeah, did then. And uh, it's interesting. I think when I had Zach, I was you know Mark and I were very stoic and independent. We tried to do everything ourselves. Um, you know, I didn't really leverage the village. I yeah. I tapped into it left, right, and centre with with Evie. So we would drop her with friends, um, you know, whilst I was undergoing chemo. I was at home the rest of the time. I was fortunate to have a nanny at that point in time who also helped out. And, you know, just because after the chemo, I I was really weak. You know, I would just lie there on the lounge. I I couldn't get up and someone would have to bring her to me. Yeah, I, I think if I was to take a lesson out of that period in my life is that People genuinely care, and when someone says they yeah. want to do something, they they do want to help. Allow them, them to. Don't question yeah, it. Don't absolutely. ask why. Exactly. Yeah, I, I had right. I had friends. I, I had people through school who I wouldn't have said were were close acquaintances at all, but they were dropping food by. You know, I I, I often had people That's you amazing. know wanting to take Zach or, or do something with Zach so that he was also occupied and and not at home you know worrying about me that's incredible yeah I think during these times is when you really see who steps up for you and who really has your best interest at heart and wants to be there to help and yeah it really really shines on those people I'm really strong about that now my time is really precious I'm very very strict about who I spend time with and because I I know the people who were there for me and I, I know the people who genuinely care and you know I, I totally. now if I'm yeah, going to put exactly. myself out I, I put it out for people who genuinely have my my family's back um, and yeah. and people that I just enjoy hanging around with you bring positive energy to my life I'm I, I I don't dwell on the negatives it's not my it's not my way of life um and if people are really negative then 
I just I, I choose not to be around it. I you know, I've I've been through enough myself that if I'm here, I'm here for I'm here for a good time, and I'm and I'm here to you know exactly. enjoy who I'm with. Exactly. Just on that. So where are you now? How is your family? Are those experiences something that you sort of sit down and talk about? This is what we went through together, or do you just like to keep that in the past and no, move I'm forward? A, I'm a complete oversharer with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, after I had it, and I, I, I very deliberately posted on social media after I'd had the surgery and it was successful, um, I had an outpouring from particularly females who all were booking in for mastectomies, they were booking in for breast checks. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've helped a couple of friends since then who have discovered something a little bit random in their breast and they've called me just to talk mm. through what the process was, what, you know, how I felt. You know, none of yeah, them ended up with breast cancer, thank God. But I just I'm yeah. I'm here to be I I'm here to be a support and I'm here to be an advocate. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest, before I had breast cancer, I thought it was extremely well funded. And if if I was going to do anything for, you know, charity or a health charity, it would be another, it would be another one because they didn't need any more money. But, you know, with, with me, I, I had access to nurses 24 seven, who didn't know me, but would call me and just speak to me. And, um, you know, I had psychologists at my disposal. You know, my my support yeah. was it was actually incredible, and and I'm a I'm a pretty strong individual, so I don't I don't lean on a lot of that very often. But I, I was I was blown away how supportive I had. Since then, I've I've participated in clinical trials. You know, I, I've I've just had access to so many opportunities and and you know things out of that experience. I think yeah, that's great. And your you, question was a really round mic though, and how they are. And I've just talked. Yeah, about look, myself. just how you, you <laughs> how you navigate through it. Yeah, where are you at at like the where moment? Are you, yeah, yeah, where are you at today and your family? Like, how many? How often are you going for checkups? Yep. So I'm now at. Do you still need to go for checkups? I do. Yeah. So I am on six monthly checkups now. So that's that's amazing. Um, so I've, oh, I've got a five year plan. So effectively, because of my age, I I'm in enforced menopause. So that's you know that that is that is an issue in itself. Um, which I've, yeah. I've been navigating now for a couple of years. I have six monthly checkups with both my breast surgeon and my oncologist, so they they go really yeah. well. You know, there's other things. It, it's never far away. You know, I've got a foot foot injury at the moment. One of the side effects of the drugs that I'm on is that I have bone density issues. So, you know, I've got a foot injury that's okay. just simply not healing because of the drugs that I'm on. Oh, wow. So there's, you know, it. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, they, they call it medical appointment fatigue and I've had that so many times. You know, I, I feel like my life is my children, I'm organising them, you know, Mark and I work extremely well as a team, but then I have this whole subset of medical appointments in history that I'm constantly going yeah. to. You know, and it now that it's every six months, it feels a bit better. But when it was three months, you know, I literally, I feel like I'd get through the cycle and then I was starting again. Um, it's that yeah. whole anxiety, like, oh. am I going to hear the same news again? Or Yeah. Um, and, and that's really, really scary because even when I think about it, even trying to check 
my own oh. breasts, yeah. I even think to myself, am I doing it right? Oh, 100%. Is there, is the lump going to be evident enough for me to be like, oh, there, there's a something yep. there? So I wanted to ask you as well, is there any advice you could give women with checking themselves? What oh. What is it that we're looking for? God, yeah. I wish I could. I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you said, you just you turned around and you were like, oh, there's a lump. Like is that what happens to everyone or are there, yeah. No. Look, I think run your hands around your boobs. I mean, that is the only thing that I can say. Um, you know, and, and when you're at the GP, if you're comfortable, just get them to have a little play around. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open yeah, to that's doctor's a good appointments idea, these days. I don't. Yeah, I don't really care who who looks after me as long as I'm in in good hands. I'm I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, just just I never thought of that actually because I'm I'm such a person that goes to the doctors for the smallest stuff, but I don't think t- for them to ask no. like, "Oh, can you just check my boobs out just yeah. for a bit of a feel, just to see like where I'm at?" Because I'm with Adriana. Like, I'll be honest with you, Al's like I don't. I've not checked my boobs, and my no. grandmother had breast cancer at a really late age. So I'm sitting here getting quite emotional hearing your whole story mm. because I'm 33, 34 in April. Yeah. And I just, it's one of those things where, and maybe you can, you know, shed some light on this. Like you don't believe it will ever happen to you until it does. Yeah. Like, I strongly go, oh, well, my grandmother had it, you know, in her late 70s, like, you know, early 70s. So I so, have time. So I've got so <laughs> yeah. much time, you know, I don't need to get my boobs checked for ages, but then, like, if I feel something, like, as soon as you said today, oh, you know, I just thought it was a post, post-pregnancy post lump, I was like, yeah, 100%, because I have felt lumps in my boobs and they've been, like, lymph nodes. Yes, but even, like, your breast tissue, like, yeah. I'll feel this and I'll be like, oh, there's a lump, but hold on, I have lumps everywhere. Yeah, yeah. like, like it's that it's that sort of, but anyway, that's. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I spoke to my surgeon, so Dave, Dave and I were just chatting away one day and, and he said, so how do you feel? He said, do you worry it'll come back? And I went, yeah, it probably will. I said, but you'll look after me. And he said, and that, he goes, and that's it. He said, I can't guarantee this won't come back. So I, yeah. I tried to work out why, why I got breast cancer. Uh, and he oh, really, he set me straight and he said, you won't find the answers. He said, there's a reason there's no cure for breast cancer just yet. He goes, mm. everyone has a different genetic makeup a different set of DNA, different lifestyles, different circumstances, different, you know, what you eat per country. He said, we we can't, we can't put our finger on it. He said, but if you do the right thing, you look out for abnormalities, you, you, you speak to me if you've got a problem. He said, we'll do exactly what we did now. We'll get rid of it. Exactly. Um, Exactly. So I'm not, I'm not big village around you. Yeah. I think the other thing is, and it actually, it dawned on me on Monday, actually, I was picking Evie up at childcare and, you know, she's one of the things, obviously I'm, you know, I, I don't have one breast and my, my surgeon said to me, he goes, normalize it. He said, don't, don't shy away from it. Yeah, don't. Totally. Yeah. So my, Stand proud. my children don't know any different. They, they don't look twice. They don't, they don't think it's, it's odd or it or anything. And Evie yeah, was at yeah. daycare the other day and, you know, being being Evie, she's a show-off. She pulled down a top and, you know, she's like, look at my boobs, mummy. And I actually said to one of, I, I said to one of the teachers then, I said, oh, females, four. And I said to one of the teachers, I said, 
and I, she didn't actually realize I'd had breast cancer. I said, do you know what makes me laugh about that? I said, I'm so different to her. I said, I've only got one breast. And I said, the fact she never questions me about it. She never thinks that mummy's strange or odd. I said, that's, that, that I is, love it. you know, that, that's how normal it is in our household. And I don't know. It just, it, it was, okay. I was having a giggle about it on Monday, actually. It's so good. Exactly. They just have no judgment whatsoever, which is Kids amazing. Don't. But I just wanted to say your story is absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. And not only have you recovered, but you now support the Mother's Day magazine classic. Um, for those listeners that don't know what that is, are you able to tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, the Mother's Day classic. So it is the, the run that happens every single Mother's Day in Sydney. It, it's a huge event in the domain. Last year, I was asked to be a community ambassador. So I've been, I, I, I do fundraising Amazing. for them every year now. Awesome. Um, they asked me to be a community oh, ambassador. Awesome. And so a, as part of that, I did, I did an interview with Nine Honey. And, you know, I really started to promote my story. And the, and again, I, yeah. I don't oh, yeah. do it. And so you should. I, I, I don't do it because I necessarily want to talk about it all the time, but I, I do it for awareness. You know, there's. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's no high yeah. horse from from you know this story. There's, I don't get anything from it, but I I do get. I feel like I'm giving back, and you know the older that yeah, I get, the breast cancer, the everything. I I look back and I want to give back. You know I I you know someone yeah. said to me years ago, you know what what is your brand? You know how do you want to be remembered? And I think. I don't want to be remembered that I had breast cancer, but I want to be remembered as someone who was an advocate and who was there for others if if they're in need. And I, I think I do that okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think I'm sure there's plenty of people day. that need that support. 100%. And mm. I think, so I didn't know about the Mother's Day classic. So is, it's a it's a run. Explain it again. It's a us. family. It's a family run. So it's you can walk, you can run. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's the pinnacle event for the, you know, breast cancer association and the, oh, and the fundraising efforts. Raising awareness. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's designed for families. Okay. It's designed obviously as a fundraising activity, but it's just designed to get out and, you know, raise awareness of, of breast cancer and also to, to, to raise funds and, and help others in need. It's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, amazing. We'll put stuff, we'll put information up on our website as well so people can see where they can get involved, yeah. where they can get donate. some information, yeah. donate. And I'm going to be a again. So, you know, if anyone's got any questions, they are very welcome to reach out to me, you. Awesome. That was going to be my <laughs> next question. Can you, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you if they have any questions for you? or if they have any, you know, inquiries about anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I look, I'm on social media, but again, how would you, what, what's your preference, Jaden? I am very happy to be contacted. What's Email, your Instagram? Phone. Yeah, so it's just Anne Louise Scott 2306. So Anne Louise Scott 2306. 2306. 2306. 230. 230. I'm just like numbers. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> 2306. Yeah. I got that. Because she said her birthday, so I could put it together in my brain. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. So we'll get people to, to find DM. you on Instagram. Yep. I might just ask you that again. Yep. So where can people find you, Anne Louise, if they want to ask you some questions 
just connect with you if they've experienced something like this and they just want to, you know, touch base or, you know, build their village? Like where can we send them? Yeah, so I'm not huge on social media, but I am on there. And and I think if you send me a message either via Instagram, Facebook Messenger, I'm very happy to connect and, you know, share my story, discuss any issues or, you know, just be there as a support, um, you know, for, for any journeys or, you know, concerns anyone has. So my Instagram is anlouise2306 or it's Anne Louise Beautiful. Scott. So you, know, you can easily find me on Facebook, send me a message and, and we can definitely connect. Thank you so much Thank for you, Anne Louise. Thank you. And for coming on and sharing your story. at all please send us a dm we'd love to connect with you please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening app to keep up to date when we launch our next episode if you enjoy our show please leave a positive rating and review so that others can find and enjoy it too i'm Jaden, and you've been listening to the mummy village podcast 